Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Inspired Retail, a Hyosung podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and folks, thanks so much for joining us on this first episode of the show as we explore what's changing the technology, the workflows, the success stories, and of course, the cash management of the retail industry. Now, before we get into today's conversation and really unpack Inspired Retail as a separate show. You may have seen our previous episodes on Inspired Banking, another Hyosung podcast. I just want to make sure you're all caught up on all of our Hyosung content, including for future episodes of this show and other thought leadership surrounding our topic today. So make sure you're heading to our website, hyosungamericas.com. Again, hyosungamericas with an S at the end.com. For more thought leadership, including episodes of this podcast, episodes of Inspired Banking, and other videos, articles, blogs, and more, uh, you can also subscribe to Inspired Retail on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just hit that subscribe button and you'll have a full catalog of previous conversations plus notifications when we drop new ones. So, on today's episode of the show, we're going to be changing up the script a bit for some Hyosung content. Obviously, we're launching a new show here with Inspired Retail, and you may have some familiarity with our previous podcast content with Inspired Banking, but per the show title, we're not just wanting to chat the banking industry, we're wanting to expand our perspective a bit and learn from some other industries, because other industries do have plenty to learn from and how they've integrated banking solutions from ATMs to software in their critical day-to-days. And retail is a perfect example. And this is actually where we started our company's journey in 1998 before we ever made it into the banking sector. So there's a lot of legacy experience to tap into here. But then more recently, retail has been disrupted uh, big time, to put it lightly. Uh, In the last couple of years, there's been financial crunches, permanent changes to workflows, expectation changes from customers, and unpredictable labor pools, all giving the industry reason to invest in solutions that intersect all of those above issues, find some solid solutions, and bring uh, a disruption assuagement, I guess you could say, to cash flow, right? Sort of dampening the harshest aspects of the last couple of years. So what we're wanting to do with our podcast today is we're going to break down how retail ATMs are innovating in their own right to meet the needs of the industry today and why the retail market is ripe to invest in banking technology and cash management technology in the first place. So For Insights today, I'm very pleased to welcome our guest, Mr. Michael Graham. He's VP of Retail Solutions and Strategy for Hyosung. Michael, great to have you here in the studio. How are you doing today? Good to be here. Great. Real pleasure getting to tap into your insights today for Inspired Retail. Now, before we get into the core conversation, let's give our audience a quick recap on your experience. Can you walk us through just, I guess, a bullet list sure. of your main career highlights and how they inform your perspective today? Right. I, I uh, just recently wrapped up a 25-year career history uh, in banking, for example, at uh, Wells Fargo Bank. And specifically, uh, the last part of my career was focused on the ATM industry itself. So supporting the logistics, the buying, the, the implementation of ATMs in banking environment. But if you work in a bank long enough, you work in a company long enough, you do various roles and capabilities. So I've done everything from building web browsers to online banking to digital marketing. Um, but all that experience really led me uh, as I was looking kind of off in the horizons, what I want to do next. And, right. and Heosung was a company that uh, I had long admired their ability to be innovative, uh, to react quickly to what's happening in the market from a banking perspective. And so I said, if I ever going to go someplace 
uh, that would be a place I would want to end up working. And so Love I joined it. Heosung about six months ago, and uh, it's, been a, it's been a great start. Well, it's great getting to bring all of that ATM-specific experience and cash management experience to the team, but also to the podcast yep. today. We're obviously going to tap into that here. So let's go ahead and jump in now to the meat. Thank you for that context. You bet. Uh, so if we look back on the history of ATMs, and this is something that we've touched on in Inspired Banking. So listeners out there, if you want that history, go give that a listen. Uh, for the last 50 years since their initial introduction, ATMs have become more innovative and accessible compared to when they first hit the scene as a solution. That's because ATMs themselves have uh, you know, expanded their, their reach and their use cases, but also the surrounding <laughs> ecosystem of right. technology has also improved. Uh, now, in, uh, again, the last episodes of Inspired Banking, we track the growth and innovation of banking ATMs, but what I want to do with Inspired Retail is give a similar history lesson, sure. I guess, for our audience here. What has been the trajectory of growth and innovation of ATM solutions in retail? Uh, because there's, you know, a, I think of a, a long one in banking and there's a different journey to break down here. Yeah. So could you walk yeah, through? Yeah, absolutely. And the, the reality is, Daniel, that on the retail side, innovation has been relatively stagnant, if you will. It hasn't really had a lot of innovation. For example, a retail ATM that's been in place 20 years ago was doing withdrawal, balance check, and maybe transfers is probably, for the most part, still doing that today. Sure. Uh, we have seen as a result of what I would say the total cost of ownership of an ATM start to come down on the banking side. Mm. And so subsequently, capabilities you see that used to be resigned to banking are now finding their way into retail ATMs. So things like NFC, the ability to tap with your card or right. use your phone, uh, you're starting to see capabilities like recycling. Basically, that cash that's deposited can be stored and then returned to a customer as well. Right. So slowly you're starting to see that, but innovation has not really kind of followed the trend of banking. And to that point, banking had obvious reasons to innovate. Sure. You, know, you think about 9-11 and the fact that you couldn't get checks on a plane because no planes were flying. Right. Banks had to figure out a way, how do I get that image of a check to where it needs to be from a processing perspective? And so you have, you know, image deposit checking happening. So, uh, Retail has not had those same forces, but but as you've said, recent history has started to really impact that. Yeah, and you just gave us a hint there to a major market motivator. Uh, you know, something as as industry shaking as nine eleven. But I guess even more generally, banking has been the primary market for innovating around ATM solutions. So I'm wondering, That's right? Yep. Could you give us the why there? I mean, there are some that I think. Uh, make sense at a surface level, but is there anything deeper under the surface sure. that uh, can reveal more as to why banking is the the sector, even with retail's uh, you know advances and use cases for ATMs, that still is the one motivating most of the change? Yeah, it, it's a good question. And, and what I would say is a couple of things. One is that need to support those banking-specific customers and transactions. Sure. So that ability, as we've talked about, to accept deposits you know, that, that deposit a check, if you will. So accepting that outside of the hours of where I had to go see a, you know, a banker or a teller to, to make a check deposit. Right. Um, so the need to support those customers. Uh, the other is the fact of the regulatory requirements that bankings are, you know, banks are under. So right. those capabilities, the ability to do things like make sure you get a receipt to comply with, hey, I deposited money, I did something with, with cash or with a check. So 
A lot of that's been driven from a regulatory perspective and the fact that banks do want and have tried to try to serve their customers' best interest right. and expand uh, the idea of that 24-7 banking, not just being resigned to, quote, bankers' hours. So that's what's driven a lot of the innovation on the banking side. And the last thing I would say there is, as we've seen these shifts and and customers' behaviors from a banking perspective, I want to bank at home, I want to bank on my right. phone, uh, ATMs are trying to figure out a way, how do I accommodate that if folks aren't physically walking into a branch? Can I do that at an ATM now? Right, so. right. And uh, that kind of flexibility of the solution, I think, is giving it a lot of longevity. Whereas you, know, you might think, oh, well, all of the sort of at-home banking solutions uh, you know, may disrupt the flow or the use case of an ATM, what they haven't done necessarily is get rid of cash That's exactly as, right. yeah. <laughs> as a core spending metric uh, for U.S. consumers. Uh, and something that we'll get into here in a little bit is that the underbanked and unbanked population sure. actually increased during COVID. So you have more people not keeping their cash in an account, yep. probably in their wallet, and they're buying with cold, hard green paper. Uh, so ATMs have that use case. They have a place in the larger financial ecosystem. Right. Just about tweaking what role they really play and how they elevate and connect with those things. So let's get into those recent sure. trends. Uh, there have been recent trends that have, um, you know, I guess, to some degree, maybe dampened the banking market. But really more, it's that they have elevated the retail market to be an innovator for ATM yeah. solutions. And at large, have shifted the flow of in-person services in brick and mortars, whether that's in a retail space or a banking space, regardless. And so what this is doing is it's giving it's giving way for new retail solutions to meet new Absolutely. retail needs. Yep. So what I want to do now is break down some of these core trends, how they're influencing ATM retail solutions, and what the impacts are shaping up to be. So let's start with just, I guess, the highest level pandemic impact, right? Sure. Uh, the pandemic, to some degree, is still being prolonged. Uh, we have new variants popping up and new uncertainty around how does our economy continue and, and find its rhythm in a day-to-day. How is this impacting the retail space today and in turn, retail cash management and retail ATMs? Absolutely. Yeah, great question. You know, um, our recent past has kind of evolved around this pandemic. And yeah. It's hard to think about what was life like before, you know, the 2020 and, and this prolonged <laughs> Very pandemic. True. But the reality is on the banking side is that, you know, the number of people visiting branches was on a steady decline for a number of years. And so banks were already feeling the, the, the impacts of mobile banking, digital banking, still needing the access to cash, if you will. Um, but they were already feeling that. What happened with the pandemic is basically the accelerator got stepped on. Right. And so the idea that I had maybe a 10 to 15 percent reduction in foot traffic year to year was all of a sudden just the faucet was turned off, if you will. Right. And so now as a bank, I'm left with this vast distribution of branches and even ATMs that are tied into this kind of hub and spoke network. Mm. And so what do I do with that? How do I maximize value? So what banks have started to really focus in on is I'm going to focus on the quality of the experience when I walk into that into that branch and less about the quantity of locations because I just don't need the number of footprint. Right. I don't need the number of employees but yet I still have cash movement in that branch that's required. I still need to get cash into ATM. So it presents some unique challenges uh, for them to deal with. So they've started to look at things like we talked about with recycling. So how do I reduce my operational expense associated with running an ATM network? Sure. Um, 
And in some cases, yeah, I can reduce some of those costs, but I also have a number of ATMs that are supporting my consumers out in their neighborhoods, if you will. So I may right. close my local branch, but I may still want an ATM to serve their needs. This is where, as you mentioned, where retail can actually start to help, if mm. you will, because we mentioned those capabilities like recycling and mobile deposit, whatever it may be, and, and mobile authentication uh, are finding them their way into retail ATMs. So how can those retail ATMs supplement that bank's traditional network? I don't have a I don't have a branch anymore, right. but I have an ATM that's sitting in my local grocer, my convenience store, my transportation hub right. that fundamentally can support my banking needs. So that's mm. that's the first impact I would say from a from a pandemic perspective of, of what you're seeing, what's happening to banks. Interesting. Yeah, no, that, that that's curious that the you know, the pandemic, I think, had forced every industry to get more resourceful. And that's what this really sounds like. It's instead of, you know, uh, rethinking the wheel, right? Let's just analyze what are our current footprints and leverage where those footprints are, while at the same time reducing resources, reducing spend. Right. Yep. And that's that's critical. Something else that we saw during the pandemic was, you, you mentioned this too, but it also impacted retail, major store closures. Yep. Uh, and now we're in a space where we're reopening with less stores, so less banking branches. Um, we also see a lot of big box retailers reopening with less footprint or you know, even rethinking the whole purpose of their store. Like when Toys R Us reopened, they uh, they went <laughs> right. with like a fully experiential model for their, and that's just you know to toss out a random example there. But basically, the landscape of the brick and mortar for the retail uh, space is changing. Right. So, yeah. how is that environment creating maybe new challenges and new opportunities for the retail yeah. ATM to shine? Another good question. I, I I think the first and foremost is the fact that we were kind of locked up at home, if you will. We all kind of resorted to online shopping. I think more boxes showed up on my day on my doorstep every day <laughs> literally but but the reality is is that that really helped shape how we thought about going back to the physical retail store mm. so no longer am i going to choose my retail store experiences without the framework if you will of what did it feel like to me from an online experience and mm. so now what retailers are really having to deal with is i need to make that experience of when you walk in the store daniel as a customer i need that experience to be frictionless seamless right. if you will uh, from a buy to a checkout perspective right. and again that presents opportunities for capabilities that are already sitting in that retailer space whether it's self-checkout mm. point of sale or even the atm how do I leverage that capability to make it a frictionless experience for me? Because I'm used to doing it on my phone. I spent right. a year and a half locked inside, weren't many stores open. Retailers want that experience to be frictionless. I want to focus on that experience. In fact, you know, the nirvana for a lot of companies is how do I start to app like, quote, the Apple store? Right. So I have minimum retail physical brick and mortar footprint but I have maximum value, maximum closure rate, and maximum brand recognition. Right. That's where retailers want to be and where they desire to be. And I think the capabilities that sit in there, the technologies that sit there today, aren't necessarily to be thrown out. It's how do you maximize and empower those capabilities. Right. Yeah, it's almost like uh, the entire push for convenience also made the brick and mortar be assessed as just another footprint for convenience rather than you know it's not necessarily the core anymore right you can operate with um 
you know, as a retailer with less stores, as a bank with less uh, branches, but each branch now, each store, each ATM footprint is more valuable because there's an ecosystem supporting it, right? right? So it doesn't have to carry the burden of being the only touch point a consumer has with their bank. They can do most stuff on their phone now when they go to the ATM. It's because they really got to go to the ATM. That's exactly right. Would you say that that's elevating, especially in retail, uh, what role the retail ATM plays in that larger ecosystem? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and, and I think when we started the conversation, I you know we talked about what have retail ATMs not done. I mentioned that they haven't necessarily innovated. Mm. What retail ATMs have been really good at is giving cash, which is <laughs> yes. why they're still there. Right. Right. So there, there's a lot of value to that and what it brings to consumers. I know it works, and as a consumer, I know that ATM is going to give me cash. Yes, I may pay some sort of a fee, but I, I can trust that it's going to give me cash. And that's why retail ATMs have continued to, to be out there. Right. What they haven't done a really good job is avoid, evolving to the environment around them. So sure. we've talked about these impacts from a pandemic to the digital impacts. And, and this is where retail ATMs have an opportunity to, quote, listen to what's happening around them from a retail space. Yeah. So you've you've mentioned the fact that I want it to be you know I, I want it to be a different experience similar to what's happening from from an online perspective. We, we've talked about that. So how do I have that that ATM interact with my phone? Right. Uh, are there things that I can be doing before I come up to the ATM that make my experience faster, more frictionless, uh, if you will? Uh, the other one is how does that ATM interact with the ecosystem of cash management in my uh, retail store today. In most right. cases, it doesn't. Mm. It's a set of you know, transactions that happens between a consumer, but that retailer doesn't know who that consumer is necessarily. The cash that's in it's not leveraged necessarily to help my retail store and reduce. Right. So there are opportunities there that we see that, uh, and we're starting to tap into that can really help shape that piece of equipment to go not just be that cash dispense unit, but actually become part of that ecosystem of, of cash management as a whole. I like that. Let's break those two sure. buckets down then. The first one being the role of the ATM in connecting with uh, the, the accelerated digital environment that consumers yep. are now accustomed to. So what are some of those features you're seeing a retail ATM boast today that uh, does provide convenience because it connects to an already convenient and frictionless online experience for the consumer. Yeah, you know, I'll use an example that's that's really kind of hot right now and what we're seeing. And if you go into a convenience store today, you're likely to see a retail ATM. And what you're starting to see is additional services uh, around things like crypto, a market, for example. Yeah. And, and we'll, we'll touch on this, I know, around kind of this underserved community. But you're starting to see technologies show up and again, I go back to the point of retail ATMs have not listened to what's happening around them because now all of a sudden there's been this kiosk that's set up next to them that says buy Bitcoin, right. right? And so, you know, why not if that was just available on the ATM itself? Why do I need another piece of hardware, if you will? So from a digital experience perspective, folks are buying and selling and trading Bitcoin on their phone. They're opening up a mobile wallet to handle that transaction. Mm. Uh, one of the things that that uh, we're looking to introduce is the ability for that transaction to be available on that on that ATM. In fact, we have a number of deployments now where Bitcoin is available on a retail ATM as a solution. Hmm. We're introducing some capability early next year that will allow uh, the ability to onload cash because you have this dispense capability, but we don't have the ability to get cash into the ATM. Gotcha. So again. That retail ATM becomes part of the di digital ecosystem because I can take cash and convert it to digital, if you will. 
something you couldn't do two or three years ago. And now that's that's right in front of us. It sure is. And it's uh, consistently becoming more normalized too. chicken the egg scenario, (laughs) I I like to say often. But one of those things where the more there are uh, Bitcoin deployments in this kind of space, the more that the consumer will consider it in a retail context and in an ATM sort of cash management, personal finance context. And that encourages Absolutely. more deployments, right? And then, yeah. da, 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 right. Yeah. Love it. Um, now, the second bucket I wanted to get your thoughts on was uh, the retail ATMs baking into the larger cash management ecosystem yes. for retailers. So this is more on the operational side of things and on the business model side of things. But where are you seeing the retail ATM shine in this way? Yeah, it's a great opportunity. And again, what's what started to happen around that ATM is that in many cases, as costs went up, Similar to what was happening in banking, the operational expense of running a, a retail store is going up. A lot of that expense is the handling of, of cash. Right. So one, we have less staff now, somewhat you know uh, impacted because of the pandemic. So you have less people there to be able to handle and move the cash. You certainly want to reduce your risk of loss and exposure and safety to your to your your, your employees and your and your facility. Uh, and then I'm paying a significant amount of money either for an armored car service to come pick up that cash or as a small business owner, I'm physically leaving that retail store for a certain amount of time period to go drop my cash off, get my change order and bring it back. Or I'm sending, you know, a runner and maybe they're here, maybe they're not tomorrow yeah, with right. with cash. And so, but again, what's happened is you've got a piece of technology here that consumers trust, that you trust, that dispenses cash today. And then you've got a point of sale system where you're dispensing cash, and we haven't really connected those two. And so something that Hyosung has started piloting uh, is the ability to leverage that ATM to basically be a depository of that cash that's sitting in that cashier's till. So I'm not making a run to the bank. I'm not making a run to the back with two people off the floor while consumers aren't being attended to. Right Now I have the ability to use that ATM and take cash, deposit it, get some credit to my bank, for example, and then I'm back serving my customers with a lot less people, a lot less time off the floor. So yeah. that's where we see a real opportunity. This could be a real game changer of the industry that Hyosung is introducing. And we'll uh, we'll wrap up the show by getting a, a larger list yeah, of what those um, new services are. Now, you mentioned this earlier, as did I. I want to make sure we don't gloss over it. Another effect of the pandemic was an increase in the underbanked and unbanked population in the U.S. Can you give us some numbers there or at least a general context? Yeah, Yeah, uh, absolutely. And um, what what the impact is, too. Yeah, absolutely, Daniel. I I think um, recent Fed survey 2018-2019 indicated that roughly um, almost uh, 80 million Americans, which is roughly 26-26% percent of American households are considered unbanked or underbanked. And quick definition there. Uh, Unbanked is I don't have any banking relationship whatsoever. Uh, Underbanked is I may have a, you know, a checking account. I may even have a debit card, but that's the extent of it, if you will. So if you think about that population not having access to what you and I would consider traditional banking services, not having a credit card, for example, likely not having a banking account or direct deposit. Yeah. that has grown because if you think about branches closed, even those consumers that we consider uh, unbanked, if they're getting paid by a check or by cash, they're trying to figure out a way, how do I get that cash into the market? How do I get that right. into the economy to do the business I need to do? Um, 
So the numbers have grown as a result of the pandemic because we've talked about branches closing. And now you've come to a point where you even have what we consider financial deserts. Hmm. So even not just rural populations where I may have had two banks and I closed one in town. This is happening in urban areas where I may have had four or five banks and now there's none. (laughs) Uh, Now there's certain regulatory requirements that, that, that uh, ensure that we don't have, uh, we have complete loss of of the banking system, but you, you are seeing a significant growth in this underbanked underserved uh, market, if you will. And I'm sure the, you know, like you said, the, um, the impact of pandemic closures and uh, branches rethinking their physical footprint in some ways can accelerate that. But I want to couple that with another trend, which is the introduction of banking apps, which we've talked on already from banks themselves, but also money sharing applications like Zelle, yeah. Cash App, Venmo. Venmo, yeah, exactly. Uh, they have really opened up the accessibility to personal finances right. and have given people a digital touch point for something at least banking adjacent, right? Yeah. Even if it isn't a literal banking relationship. Let's connect that with our larger conversation here. How have you seen the introduction and the normalization of these apps, especially during the last two years? How has this intersected with the retail experience for the consumer? And then in turn, the, the role of a retail ATM yeah. in interacting with those? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And, and actually... Uh, not to sound too nerdy, but it's, it's a really exciting time for, for us as well. Because, we love nerdy conversations yeah, here. So because let's, let's what, dig we're, in. <laughs> what we're seeing is, um, let, let me go back to the, the underband bank. So sure. a, as you mentioned, you know, the mobile apps. And so uh, I think the last uh, Pew survey indicated that roughly what 96% of, of Americans have a cell phone today. So you've got even underbanked, underserved communities have, have, have the ability to get access to mobile, if you will. Right. And to your point, whether it's a net bank, you know, an online only bank like a Chime or something like that, uh, or it's Venmo, they have the ability to get into the digital ecosystem. Right. Where they're still constrained, and this is where the retail ATM comes in, is that ability to convert cash into that digital ecosystem. Right. So uh, in many cases, if they're paid by check or paid by cash, they're trying to figure out a way, okay, I need to go do banking things. I need to go pay bills. Uh, I need to top up my phone, for example, right. if they're on a prepaid phone plan. Uh, I need to send money home to families and overseas whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening today is that community is leveraging a myriad of alternative financial services. So they may be using a mobile app to send money, but they may also be going to cash a check that they were paid in for doing work or business Mm. at a money service business, the cash check cashing store, and paying a significant amount of fees. And again, I go back to the point of friction, a lot of friction in that space to be able to do the banking thing. Certainly mobile apps and digital banking has helped. Uh, but if I can't even get into the digital banking economy to begin with, uh, that that's a challenge. And that's where we believe that retail ATMs can actually help do that. So not only can I reduce friction with the retail ATM around the number of stops I'm making to do my banking business as an underbanked consumer right. uh, by centralizing it, uh, I put it at a, at a location that I trust. I know yeah. that ATM is going to work. It's a place where I do business. It's at my grocery. It's at my convenience store where I get gas. Right. Now I, can st- trust there already, I start yeah. to build a hub of, of trust and convenience in that, in that capability. So that's where the retail ATM and where we see this kind of empowering capability of not only can I get cash from this ATM, now I can stick cash into the ATM. Right. I can buy Bitcoin. Uh, and by the way, Bitcoin can be used to remit money these days. Yeah. And we see a lot of consumers doing that, uh, if you will. And so 
really it opens up a lot of value added services at a piece of technology that that consumers know and trust. Definitely. So then let's give some strategies for our retail audience. Um, luckily, you know, Hyosung has been around now, uh, you know, 98, 08, when, I mean, like, you know, almost 25 years, sure. right? I had to do a little mental math there. <laughs> uh, but you, the fact that you started your company's footprint in the retail sector means that right. major retailers should already have a basic understanding of the benefit of an ATM and Hyosung's connection with right. the, that quality and service. Let's say there are, you know, major or even small boutique retailers out there that haven't integrated the ATM or really have no conception of what role the ATM can play in their larger service. What advice would you give on a starting point, right? How do you assess your needs? And then how do you integrate an ATM in a way that actually meets those needs, right? Whether it is, uh, you know, we need to connect with our customers better. We need to provide a touch point that intersects with our cash management. Uh, you know, we need to create a community touch point that is sort of in partnership with another bank, right? There's a lot of strategies. Absolutely. How do you assess which one is the right one? Yeah, for it's you? great. You know, one thing to kind of to to a little bit of context is the majority of those ATMs that are sitting in a retail space today are not owned by the retailer themselves, if you right. will. They're owned by an independent deployer that has stuck that ATM that's basically paying paying for a piece of real estate within that within that retail store. Fair. So, but what 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 is important is is understanding as a retailer and as a deployer is understanding what your customer needs are. Mm. They know which markets that they're getting revenue out of that ATM and how they're driving, you know, foot traffic. Um, and the retailers know that if I have an ATM in there, that I'm going to drive a certain amount of foot traffic. Right. Uh, I think for us to be able to lay out with them um, and for that retailer to think about and that deployer to think about is what are those additional services out there that are going to drive additional foot traffic, if you will, because that becomes a mutual kind of win for both the retailer and that deployer of ATMs uh, going forward is, hey, there's benefit for me because I'm going to have more foot traffic as a retailer. They're going to spend more time in my store. They're going to get cash. They're going to spend that cash. That's that's that model that we can build into. As a deployer, I start to think about the additional services that I'm offering. So I'm not just generating income off that traditional one or two dollar service fee that they're that they're generating. Right now, there's transactions out there for things like I need to remit money globally. I need to buy Bitcoin, or I want to sell Bitcoin, or I want to. Uh, top up my phone. So now you have really what I consider this almost kind of a pay kiosk, if you right, will, right. that uh, enables a lot more value to me as an owner and to as a retailer. So I think to, to get back to your question is where do, where do they start? Think about who your customers are. They know they're really good about who their customers are, where they're placed, right. and, and what capabilities do you wish they would offer. And they'll tell you. We, we've had conversations. They'll say, can you offer bill pay? Great. That's exactly how we're thinking as well. What yeah. else can we do with that box? Because otherwise what happens is you start having other pieces of technology show up in this kind of Frankenstein mode. As we right. mentioned, the Bitcoin kiosk here, maybe they've got a smart safe in the back, mm. for example, that they're depositing cash in. It's like, hey, wait, you've got a retail ATM that can help serve so many needs of your consumers and as a store owner right, right in front of you. Right. And it's all about just aligning those needs early on and and building them into the integration from the start. That's exactly right. Which is exactly what um, you know, Kyosung helps do as well in your uh, you know, larger picture of solutions and services. So let's go ahead and bring Kyosung into the conversation here as we wrap up. Uh, as we approach 
the new year, um, you know, fresh quarter, new life cycle for businesses. Are there any new products or services that Hyosung is excited to announce or that you've already announced that are in the works or are freshly introduced that you think are going to further elevate the retail experience because of new, uh, you know, new technology, new solutions and new use cases okay. in a retail ATM? Yeah, that's great. So, you know, a- absolutely. And, you know, we, you kind of have this pent up demand from the pandemic, yeah. uh, if you will. And so I think a lot of companies are feeling this, but we, we really have some great solutions that are about to about to come out. Some Love that it. we've been kind of sitting on, some that kind of trying to figure out when's the right time to come to market here. But Fair. we've hinted around this, this services piece. And so one of the capabilities or some of the capabilities we'll be introducing next year is this idea of these extended value-added services available mm-hmm. in that ATM. And what we're really working to do is to make that very, very easy for a deployer or a retailer to have access to those services. So think about it as five easy steps, if you will, to get for example, things like Bitcoin or to get things like remittance uh, or prepaid phone top up added to an ATM. We want it to be a very easy click, you know, agree, you get the service, download the software. So if you, you I think about the Tesla model, if you buy a Tesla and you want a self-driving feature, you may not buy it then, but you can go back later and say, I want to add self-driving to my car. We want that to be that way for the ATM. And that's what we're working on is those services to, to start with. The other piece is kind of from a hardware, uh, from a technology perspective, is I mentioned the fact that we need the ability to get cash into that system. So I've got an existing retail ATM. I may not want to buy a whole new ATM. We'd love for that to happen. Sure. Buy a whole new ATM that supports cash. Uh, but we're also in- introducing what we call a cash-in sidecar, mm. a very low-cost, simple way to upgrade that existing ATM without mm. completely junking what you have. Nice. Implement a sidecar that allows you to put cash in. Then you can get access to the services and capabilities that we've talked about. Um, the last exciting. thing is is we are uh, introducing a kiosk specifically uh, initially to target that Bitcoin industry because we're continuing nice. to see the opportunity there. Not to somewhat stop on my own uh, suggestions, but sure. you're seeing Bitcoin show up at, at, at not just convenience stores. You're seeing it at transportation hubs. Mm. Uh, we think... Initially, that helps in the Bitcoin play, but we also see opportunities, everything from self-service kiosks uh, to checkout uh, industries uh, such as um, gaming, for example. If you've ever been to a casino and they've got, you know, ticket redemption kiosk, uh, we see a lot of opportunity with this kiosk uh, uh, having the capability to cover a number of industries and markets. Uh, Again, uh, an opportunity to kind of build on that centralization hub services available here. And so something we'll be introducing uh, early uh, next year. Very exciting. Very exciting. I, I love the uh, the concept of not needing to, again, like rethink the wheel, right? Or completely revamp yeah. um, solutions from the ground up or uh, put your customers in a place where they need to be constantly buying yeah. a new solution all the time. Sometimes it's a software update, sometimes it's a sidecar, right? But that uh, that vision of let's expand what works already and let's find new ways to uh, help this uh, bake into the current needs of the financial ecosystem and the retail ecosystem, Absolutely. I think are yep. going to prove to be very successful. We agree. Love it. Glad we're aligned. Yeah, right. <laughs> Love it. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, right. Uh, last question I've got for you is uh, really, I'd just like to get your view of where you see retail ATMs maybe needing a little improvement or where you could see there being some exciting new innovations just as an entire industry. So 
especially in the context of the brick and mortar landscape continuing to evolve. We see a prolonged pandemic impact. We see disruption still to labor, to consumer expectations. With all of this as context, where can the retail ATM continue to improve? Uh, where would you like to see some fresh innovation? Yeah, you know, I don't want to say that it's limitless, but but there are a lot of avenues you can go through, uh, if you will. I've talked about the fact that you've got this ecosystem, not only supporting cash, you've got an ecosystem of kind of transactions happening, whether it's, you know, point of sale, if it's self-checkout, yeah. cash entry, cash deposit, you've got cashization in the back. And so, you know, Ultimately, as you think about it, is the capabilities that are sitting in an ATM today, especially some of the new capabilities over the last you know, five to seven years with recycling, that Hyosung was the, the primary leader in, in recycling in the U.S. banking market. Had to throw that in, by the way. Love it. So uh, the reality is that uh, we're starting to see the opportunity for that retail ATM to evolve to be part of that complete system. So... I'm all about the idea of becoming more efficient, if you will. If I can do with less hardware and less technology in my retail footprint, I think I'm ultimately better off, right? Less failure points, less things to worry about. I've got less staff to support it, you know, in many cases, yep. uh, if you will. Uh, and so the idea that the ATM components, the capabilities start to find their way to self-checkout, those things start to merge together. I think you'll continue to see that evolution in the retail space. Um, uh, if you will. So you've got capability of cash in, you've got recycling happening. Lots of point of sale machines will give you cash back, for example. So the base technologies are not too far apart. I think you'll see this blending continue to happen. And then I I think we have to be wise about how we do this. Consumers still want to trust that they can get cash out of that piece of capability. Those guys that own the ATMs, those those men and women that, that work and service and own those ATMs, they uh, they certainly don't want to lose the ability to dispense that cash. And so right. we don't want to disrupt that. We just want to kind of continue to help evolve and help that ATM listen to what's happening around them. Love that. Give it some listening ears. That's exactly yeah. right. I love that. Well, I think on that note, then, we've got plenty of analysis of the current situation as well as some future-focused crystal balling here as to what could come next. So I think we'll go ahead and wrap this first episode Great. of Inspired Retail. So thank you again to our guest, Mr. Michael Graham, VP of Retail Solutions and Strategy for Hyosung. Michael, it's really been a pleasure getting to chat today. Thank you for all your thank insights. You. And if folks want to tap into your perspective a little more, they want to learn more about the company or maybe just get in touch for some advice. How can they do so? Yeah, they can email me. It's michael.gram at nhausa.com and we'll be good to go. I'll get back to them for sure. Fantastic. I love that. All right, Michael, thanks again for your time. Thank you, Daniel. Really been a pleasure. And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of Inspired Retail. We're excited to be bringing you this fresh content from Hyosung as we explore uh, new technologies, again, new workflows and new success stories in both banking and retail industries. So as we move forward into the rest of our season, make sure that you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and make sure you're heading to our website, Hyosung Americas, again, Hyosung Americas with an S.com for more Hyosung content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Inspired Retail.